from the Jewish Elvis, otherwise known as Neil Diamond. Hey, man, uh, Christmas can be a lot of fun. But I also realize that Christmas can be very disappointing at the same time. Some of us go through the year, we get to this point of the year, we just can't wait for this year to be over so we can get to the next one. Hopefully that next one will be better than this one. Christmas, I was thinking about this, this the past couple of weeks, and I thought, you know, Christmas used to be simple. Especially when I was a kid. I was born in 67, and so the 70s is when I was a child. And I remember Christmas being simple. Back in my day, at Christmas time, <clears throat> a kid got one big gift. There were a couple of smaller ones, maybe an orange, oftentimes a pair of socks. That were the long tube socks with a couple of stripes around the top of the calf. But there was one big gift. Usually the big gift was something like a K-Tel record, if any of you remember that, or Shrinky Dinks, maybe a Stretch Armstrong. In the 70s, we as a, as, a, as, a, as a culture, as a nation, were coming out of chaos. There was still uncertainty, but there was an expect, expectancy that things were changing a little bit. There, we were coming out of times of confusion, coming out of times of protest, politically and over the war in Vietnam. There was just an expectancy that things were, were hopefully changing. Much like at Christmas time, you hope things are changing, that maybe next year is going to be a little better. I remember, I remember when the Bicentennial Quarter came out. And the Bicentennial Quarter was a quarter in celebration of our 200 years as a nation on the date it said 1776 to 1976. And I collected them. Oh, I just collected as many Bicentennial Quarters as I could find. Because there was a, there was a, as, a as a child, there was a sense that, that, our, that, that there was a, a history, a purpose, a, a destiny for us. On the television, there were shows like Love American Style. There were shows like Welcome Back, Cotter. Shows like SWAT, which was one of my favorite shows. Only ran for two years, 1975 to 1976. I loved the... There was a show called Good Times. It was just simpler. Never did Christmas start in November. In the 70s. There was one special cartoon that came on at Christmas time on one of the networks. I think it was ABC. And it was a Christmas cartoon of Charlie Brown. There was one main claymation show that came on network television. The claymation of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And Christmas then was big, and it was gaudy, and it was messy, and it was fun, and there was nothing neat, nothing polished about it. And it's so different now. Now kids get stuff all year long with next day delivery, so they don't even have to wait for anything. Now Christmas starts in November, right after Halloween. Matter of fact, now there isn't any Christmas. There's a winter holiday. And so we decided at Flipside, we would celebrate 70s style. 
because I believe that Christmas is dynamite. <laughs> so I, 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 want, I want us to draw our attention back to Scripture and back to Christmas and the dynamite nature of it, because I think, we've, I think it's just kind of got lost in what Christmas has become. The Bible presupposes that God wants to interact with his people and with his creation. Did you know that God's favorite word to his kids is yes? It's his favorite word. The Bible says if you dads who are evil dads know how to give gifts to your children, how much more do your father in heaven just want to say yes? See, the Bible is a story, a constant reoccurring story of God showing up and God showing off. And we're commanded over and over and over in Scripture to listen to and to listen for God. Matter of fact, the book of Revelation says, those who have an ear, let them hear. It doesn't say those who have a mouth, let them talk. It says those who have an ear, let them hear. But what happens when you can't hear from God anymore? What happens when he goes quiet? Most, most of our hearing problems we want to hear from God have to do, are, are cured by opening up the Bible. Most of our hearing problems are cured by opening up the Bible. God's word in the Bible is God's voice to us. But there are times when it feels as though God's not talking, God's not moving, he's not active, and he's just flat out nowhere around. And if you've lived long enough and tried to follow him long enough, you know of which I speak. You know that's true. Such was the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now we have this Bible, these 66 books. And it's divided between what is commonly called the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the first covenant and the second covenant, or the first book and the second book. But there's a division between the two, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it seems that in that in-between times, the time God was completely silent. Now, we just got done doing a series on the spiritual world and how active it is in the unseen world. And I would think that if God was about ready to birth his son, to birth Jesus, God in a bod into earth, into humanity, it seems like he would have ramped up his activity. He would have ramped up his worship. He would have ramped up, hey, get ready, something big's about to happen. But it seems as though he just got quiet. And for 400 to 450 years, we have no record of anything of God. Have you ever felt like when you were hoping God would show up and do something, he just dropped off the face of the earth? Have you ever felt that way? Like he's just quiet, he's nowhere around. Like the expectation something good is about to happen, it's going to be dynamite, but it just, nothing pops. If you've ever felt that way, this message is for you. I want you to pay attention. The Old Testament is everything before Jesus' birth. The New Testament is from Jesus' birth ongoing. The Old Testament closes with this, prophet, and his name was Malachi. The New Testament opens with the gospel of Matthew. And there were about 400 years in between where there was just seemed to be nothing going on biblically, where God was silent and let the earth run itself. 
when the Old Testament closes in the book of Malachi, Israel had been through its rise and ascension to world power. It had been through its fall and captivity in Babylon, and they had moved back into the land at the close of the Old Testament. Though they were being dominated by a great world power, Persia and the Medo-Persian Empire, the temple had been to the original temple that Solomon had been destroyed. When they came back in the land, they rebuilt the temple, although it was much smaller and not nearly as grand. And the message in the book of Malachi, it's interesting what he tells the people. He says, you have neglected God's laws. Your preachers aren't preaching truth. Your marriages are in shambles. Does that sound like today? And you're not tithing. That was a big deal back then. But at least amongst the people of the land, there were no political divisions. They seemed to be somewhat united. And Malachi reminds the people of God's love for them and the impending presence, the advent of his son coming to earth, the Messiah. That's how the Old Testament closes. When the New Testament opens in the book of Matthew, it's a completely different world. Rome is in power, and Rome is the new power. And it is running the known world. Israel is still a puppet state. But at least Israel at this time, when the, when the New Testament opens, just prior to Jesus being born, at least there's a king on the throne because there hadn't been one for years. But this king is a descendant of Esau, the brother of Jacob, because the king line was supposed to run through Jacob. And so the one in charge is not one who should be in charge. His name was Herod the Great. And he took the office of the priests that should run through Aaron and through the Levite priesthood, through that, that line, that tribe. He took and he sold it as political currency. And when the New Testament opened, just prior to Jesus being born, there were three religious parties that were running the Jewish people. The Essenes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. The Essenes was part of the religious movement that were separatists. And they were kind of off by themselves in this, near the Dead Sea in this place called Qumran. And then there were the, the Pharisees, and the Pharisees of that time, they were the conservative group. They were the traditionalists. They understood God's word to be inerrant. They understood it to be literal. They were the Pharisees. They were conservative. And then there were the Sadducees, and they were the liberal group. And they did not believe God's word to, to be interpreted literally. They didn't believe in the miracles. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe any of miraculous work of God. They were sad, you see. And so there was a great change that happened in those 400 years. What was it? Why did God seem to just drop off the face of the earth? We don't have any biblical record during that 400-year period. Do you want to know what was going on? Galatians 4.4 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. God was setting the stage for Christmas to be dynamite for 400 years. Here's the lesson one right up front I want you to know. Apply this to your life right now. When God seems to be doing nothing, it's likely He's setting the stage for the next steps, which are going to be dynamite. 
I don't know what that means to you, but it's got to mean something. Because some of you in this place right now are going, well, I wish I knew God. I wish I, I wish I could get a feel for Him. I just don't see Him anywhere. Here's what I know. While God might be silent for a time, God is never inactive. While He might be silent for a time, He is never inactive. Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, that means when the abundance of time, because there had been a lot of it that had to tick by, when it's completed, that word time in the, in, in the Greek means it, it's chronos, and it means there is a number of days, there's a number of months, there's a number of years that has to proceed. It needs to pass. Here's what I want you to know. For every work of God, for every pr- person that needs rescue, for every prayer that needs answer, God has a fullness of time in mind. And if he's got you in a holding pattern when he seems silent, it's simply because there is a fullness of time that has to click by before something dynamite happens. It's not that he's inactive, though he might feel silent. If God is silent, don't assume that God is absent. Here's the problem. Most of us go through very dry seasons in life. That's just part of this world. And when we try to seek God and we try to get something from Him and we want to know what He has to say, what He's doing, we want some answers, though He remains silent, we assume that He's absent. Here's our danger. Here's the danger during silence. The danger is that you walk away. The danger is that you walk away. Please understand, God was silent for 400 years. If you feel like he's been silent for a year or two, be patient. He's got a lot more to go. But just because he feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. Doesn't mean he's inactive. When the fullness of time had come, if you walk away from God before the fullness of time comes in your life, you will walk out on the miracle that God is birthing. That's intended to be dying, oh my. I cannot get away from the good time show with J.J. Walker. Everything. Dine, oh my! That's what Christmas is about. You think I'd dress up 70s if I didn't believe that? During this 400-year period when God seems there was a lot going on politically in the world. So we go to outside the biblical narrative to understand what was going on before God birthed his son into it. Because something God had to be doing something. At the end of the Old Testament, Persia was in power. Though Greece was on the rise. If you've ever seen the movie 300, it's right around that period of time. And Greece would eventually overthrow the Persian Empire. And Alexander the Great would come to power in Greece. And he took over the entire world, the entire known world. Alexander the Great conquered it by the time he was 33 years old. And at 33 years old, he died. Because he drank himself to death. Because in his mind, there were no more worlds to conquer. 33. And so the power that he had amassed was split between his four military generals. And during that time is when Israel began to reappear again and the groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those religious groups came to be in prominence in Israel. And it was during that time that something significant happened in Egypt. The Old Testament that was written in Hebrew, in Egypt it was translated into the Greek, the common language of the people that would come in Israel. is known as the Septuagint because 70 elders translated the Old 
Testament in Hebrew into Greek. And that Septuagint, that translation of the Old Testament in Hebrew into Greek, is what Jesus used and quoted, and all the writers of the New Testament used and quoted when they would go back to the Old Testament. That would have never happened had these 400 silent years not occurred. God was setting the stage. And in 203 B.C., Antiochus the Great rose to power and took over Jerusalem. He eventually died, and his son Antiochus Epiphanes took over power after Alexander the Great. And this kid, Antiochus Epiphanes, was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And he destroyed all the religious practices of the Jews. And in an act of madness... See, the report, he was in Egypt. The report went from Egypt to Jerusalem that he had died, that Antiochus Epiphanes had died. And upon that false report of his death, the Jews celebrated because this guy was mad. And in an act of anger and madness himself at the Jews celebrating the report that he had died, he set war to Jerusalem. And in three days, 400,000 people, or 40,000 people were killed. In three days. And as an act of that madness, he went into the, to the, to, to the holy books and the scrolls and destroyed them all. And he forced his way into the holy of holies of the temple, the most holy place where only the high priest would go once a year. It was such a precious place. And he forced his way into there and he offered a pig sow on the altar of God, which was just atrocious. And that was the fulfillment of what Daniel had prophesied years and years before called the abomination of desolation. And then he took that pig and he made a broth out of the flesh of that pig and sprinkled it all over the temple, desecrating the entire thing. 350 years prior to this event, Daniel made that prophecy of the abomination of desolation. And he prophesied 350 years earlier that for a span of 2,300 days, the temple would be desecrated. And to the day, from the time that Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple by sacrificing a pig on the altar till the day the, 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 the temple was purified was exactly 2,300 days. Here's what I want you to realize. God knows what's going on ahead of time. Nothing takes him by surprise. Do you understand that? It might take you by surprise, but it doesn't take him by surprise. And if he's not surprised by it, he can't be shocked by it. And if you're not shocked by it, he's already prepared something. And the thing that God had prepared in the cleansing of that temple was someone who's very famous in Jewish history. His name is Judas Maccabeus. And he was of the priestly line. And with his father, I loved the, I loved the Maccabean revolt. Because these guys were freaking warriors, man. And Judas Maccabeus got his father and his brothers to revolt, and he called all of Israel to fight. They had had enough of the desecration. And though they were always outnumbered, they overthrew the foreign kings that were setting siege to Jerusalem, and they cleansed the temple. And the day that temple was cleansed, exactly 2,300 days after it was desecrated, just like Daniel prophesied 350 years prior. You know when that day was of the dedication of the temple was purified? It was December 25th. It's Christmas Day. God's doing something. Even if you can't perceive it, even if you can't name it. But there was something else going on during that time. There was another priest in Jerusalem that feeling pressure against from Syria 
made a league and a treaty with this new world power that was arising called Rome. That opened the door for Rome to enter Jerusalem. And through a series of battles and agreements, Rome overthrew Jerusalem in 63 B.C. That set the stage for the Roman occupation, the Roman soldiers, and the crucifixion. Because it was the Roman death penalty of crucifixion. It wasn't the Jewish death penalty. Do you see all this that was going on behind the scenes? That when it appeared that God wasn't doing anything, it appeared that he was silent, it appeared that he was removed, he was on the stage for everything. Imagine what God's people were thinking. Imagine what they were thinking. God, why? Have you ever been there? Did you ever have everything else falling apart in life? And you're just like, like, why? Like, this doesn't make sense. Have you ever, have you ever had those moments where you ask God, where are you now? Like, if you loved me, you, had you been here, why would you let this? Are there any real people that would admit to having those conversations with God? See, but, 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 but something unknown was happening. And what was going on at that time is all these pagan nations, these non-Jewish nations that did not believe in a monotheistic God, they were getting sick of their polytheism and the emptiness of their faith. In other words, the culture was getting just sick and tired. The Jews had given up hope. They realized that the only hope they had at this point was for this Messiah to come. In the East, in the East, all the wisdom and knowledge of, the, of, of ancient, ancient, ancient times had disintegrated. And the people of the East were looking forward to something greater, some greater wisdom. And that's why the Bible says that wise men from the East came following a star. Because they were looking for something more. Rome had built modern roadways that made, that made travel amongst the known world easy, safe, and fast. Perfect for the message of Jesus to spread, much like the internet today. And there was something else going on during those years. It's called the Pax Romana, which was an unprecedented time of peace. For 200 years, from 27 B.C. to 180 A.D., it was a time of peace where the world kind of settled. Where there was no distraction. Where people were ready for Jesus to be born and the church to spread. Thus, when the time had come, he sent his son. If you've ever been in those times where it feels like God has left you, when it feels like things have fallen apart. When it feels like he's allowed destruction to descend upon your life. And then he's silent. The Bible speaks to that. And there is a sad song blues from the book of Psalms. Psalms 44. Psalms 44 says this, this is, what, this is what it's like when you go through silence. 
We've been hearing all about this, God, all our lives. The old guys told us the stories that their daddies told them. We've heard it all. We heard all about what you've done. We heard all about what you could do. We heard all the stories about the Bible. heard all the stories about God, right? Like we've heard it. How single-handedly you weeded out the godless from the fields and planted us. Like we heard how you favored us. We get it. How you sent those people packing, but you gave us a fresh start. We heard about all the good you've done in the past. We didn't fight for this land. We didn't work for it. It was a gift. You were just good back then. You gave it, smiling as you gave it, delighting as you gave it. We've heard those stories. It must have been great to be back then, because back then seems like it was good. Do you feel what's coming? We've heard what you've done in the past. Others got good from you. Here's where it gets difficult. Tell me if this isn't true. Here's where it gets difficult. When your experience of God is more from what you've heard than what you've actually experienced. That's when it gets difficult. When you've heard more about the good He's done in the world than what you've experienced Him doing in your life. Right? Because what good does that do? But now you've walked off and left us. God, you're just gone. You're not around anymore. This is the difficulty of Christmas. Because when we should be celebrating Jesus coming to earth, what happens when it feels like he's walked off and left you? You've disgraced us and won't fight for us. You made us turn, tail, and run. Those who hate us have cleaned us out. we got nothing left. You delivered us as sheep to the butcher. You scattered us to the four winds. You sold your people at a discount and you didn't even make nothing on sale. He, he says, you used to rescue us and now you sold us. He said, I've heard one thing about you, but my experience of you has been something totally different. Did you ever feel that way? Here's the question. Can our faith hold on when our experience of Him doesn't support our faith? Can it hold on? And what's worse is when He's quiet and you haven't done anything wrong. Like it's one thing when God gets quiet and it seems like He disappeared because you know you're living wrong. Like, okay, I get that. I've been bad, you know. But what about all this came down on us, and we've done nothing to deserve it. I lost my job, and I was a dang good employee. I lost my spouse, and they were following you. I got that call from the doctor, and I've done nothing to deserve that. Right? We never betrayed your covenant. Our hearts were never false. Our feet never left your path. Do we deserve torture in a den of jackals or lock up in a black hole? If we'd forgotten to pray, pray to our God or made fools of ourselves with store-bought God, wouldn't God have figured that out? Like, we can't hide from you. 
You know our hearts. You know our hearts are with you, God, and we have no explanation why this is going this way. You ever been there? And so what's the natural response? The typical response is to walk away. Typical response would be done. You disown me, I disown you. That's just how it goes. But the writer's response is something different. Wake up! That gummit! You sleeping on me? Rouse yourself. Don't reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We're brought down to the dust. Our bodies clean to the ground. I love the word picture. Our bodies clean to the ground. Like we're, we're in the dirt. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of why? Because of your unfailing love. I love his response. Get up, God. Wake up. You got to know what I'm going through right now. I can't get any lower. He says, help us. It means give us your assistance. It's not a polite request. It's a command. God, wake up. Redeem us. Rescue us. Deliver us. Why would God respond to this? It says right there. Right after, because of. Because of his unfailing love. The writer says, do something, God, for us. We're tired of your, of your, of your silence. Do something. And it literally, it says, for the sake of your mercy. For the sake of your mercy, you have to respond to us. So you look good is what it says. So your mercy is highlighted is what it says. You have to respond. We're tired of you being quiet. You have to respond. I'm not going to leave. It's like Jacob wrestling with the angel that says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I'm not walking out. You have to respond to me. See, the silence of, God's, uh, the silence of God does not negate the love of God. Please understand that. The silence of God does not negate the love of God. The Bible says he has loved us with an everlasting love. The Bible says that nothing in all of creation, in the heavens or below the earth, could separate us from his love. The Bible says that his love was proved to us when Jesus went to the cross. The silence of God does not negate the love of God. Don't make the mistake of thinking that. It's God's love that prompted Jesus' birth. It's God's love that kept Jesus on the cross. It's God's love that burst open a grave. Please understand that it's God's eternal love that was on full display at Christmas. He had been silent for 450 years. He could have been silent for another 450. The only thing that broke the silence was proof of his love. The dynamite of Christmas is God's unfailing love on display. It culminates at the cross. It's proved in the resurrection, but it's on display at Christmas. And immediately after Psalm 44 comes 45 and 46. And in Psalm 46, out of response of God wake, seemingly to wake up, because he is never asleep. The Bible says he never slumbers nor sleeps. But in response to that, 
The writer says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. The tune exactly changes. Therefore, we will not what? Do you know that fear is an emotion and fear is a spirit? Humans are only born with two innate fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is a learned fear. And if you've learned it, you can unlearn it. So we will not fear. And the spirit of fear is an emotion. God has not given us, or is a, is a, the, the fear is a spirit. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So we will not fear. We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam at the mount, and the mountains quake at their surging. We will not fear. We will not fear, not because there's no danger. We will not fear because of who God is. See, who God is determines what God does. And because of who God is and what God does, I will not fear. He's our refuge. That means He's your covering. He's your strength. Both material and physical and spiritual. And He is your assistance. You have no reason to fear. You have no reason to fear. Verse 6 says, Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice, the earth melts. I love this. God says, or the Bible says that God melts the earth with his voice. Now get this. God melts the earth with his voice. In Genesis 1 and 2, what did he do? His voice created. And now his voice melts what he has created. How powerful is this God? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't lull yourself into thinking it's all about a little helpless baby in a crib. Don't lull yourself into thinking it's about this God up there that's uninvolved in our lives. Though he might be silent right now for a time, he's not inactive. And if this God that both speaks in the creation and then his voice that he speaks melts what he has created, that God... That God that speaks and creates and that God who melts what he has spoken with his voice, that God, Christmas says, is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know what it's like to have that God with you? There's no reason to fear. Even when I feel like he's silent and quiet and disengaged, he is not. He is at work. He's setting the stage when the fullness of time comes. So the result of that, be still and know that I'm God. I am the Almighty with you. It means literally relax. Relax. It's the opposite of worry. It's the opposite of anxiety. It means to refrain from. Refrain from manipulation. Refrain from control. Get your hands off and relax. 
It says, be still and what? And know. Here's the lesson. It doesn't say be still and feel. It says be still and know. Please understand. What we're talking about is faith knowledge before experiential feeling. Like if you're waiting around to feel God, if you're waiting around to experience God, what comes before that is to be still and to know first. When God seems silent, what we want is the experience. When God seems distant, what we want is the experience of his presence. But what the Bible says is to when God seems distant and silent, be still. Then you will know. Because here's what happens. When God gets silent, we get restless. When God goes dark, we get scared. The Bible says, be still and know. Because it is in the being still that we'll experience the voice that melts mountains. You understand? That God is the God who broke into human history on Christmas through the life of a little baby. As a child, that God became God with us. Christmas is, in the words of J.J. Walker, say it with me, dynamite. Because it's that God that is with me. And with you. If you have a relationship with Jesus through faith, here's what I know. This holiday season can get very chaotic and very disappointing and very sad. Be still. God is up to something. Don't abandon him in your silence. Rick, come up here. Don't abandon him in his silence. Don't abandon God in His silence. Be still and know. Be still and know. It's the faith knowledge that comes before experiential feeling. Be still and know. What I want to tell you as we get into this Christmas season, what I want to tell you right up front, the thing that needs to, to color everything you do this Christmas season, the one thing that you've got to do is to be still and know. Be still and know. Christmas is dynamite because God is with us. Here's what we've got to understand. That when we can't see God, we'll still follow Him. We've got to make the commitment, God, even in the silence. That when I can't see you, I'll still follow you. That when I can't hear you, I'll still follow you. That when I can't feel you, I'll still follow you. Even in the silence. Because that's where faith is proved. This Christmas will be dynamite because I will follow you in it, through it, and beyond it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the dynamite of Christmas. And this is the one thing that makes everything else different.
to follow him in silence, to follow him when you can't see, and to live with the faith that, yes, it will be dynamite, because though he might be silent, he's not absent, and he's not inactive. He is right now working all things together for your good and his glory. Follow. 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 It is dynamite. Pray with me.